You're listening to The Professional Blur, a podcast hosted by me, Jason Klom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Professional Blur podcast. My name is Jason Klom. This is a podcast about extra work, about background acting, and my guest this week is Mitch Yapko. Mitch, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me in the spotlight for a change. Mm-hmm. Mitch, I know you from various things. I do know you as an actor, but I do, of course, know you more from your behind-the-scenes writing, directing, producing work. Why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are, stuff you do, and then we'll promote some stuff at the end. But give us a general idea of what you you make and do. Sure. That's a very easy question. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a director, I'm a producer, I'm a writer, um, I am a recovering actor. Um, many years ago, I sort of decided that I, I, I felt and looked better behind the camera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, ended up holding literally every position on a crew until I finally started to produce and direct my own content. Uh, so I've been, you know, a, a comedy director. Uh, a comedy producer, a comedy writer for many, many years now. Uh, I love what I do. I love telling stories. And I still get awkward around background actors mm. when I have to, like, place them. Sure. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, we're going to have to get into that because that is not something that comes up as often on here. Is Usually people are actors who have who still act or they don't act, but they do other stuff. But rarely do we talk to people who get to physically place extras on a set um so but speaking of on a set my my first question to people is not what your first time being an extra was unless it coincides with this i want to know what your first time on a set was like uh it's interesting it does coincide my first time on a set was the first time that i was a background actor Ooh, okay uh or a background artist however you want to call it um, I, I moved out here, uh, from Boston. Uh, I went to school in Boston where I, I was doing, uh, theater, uh, both plays and musical theater, uh, at BU. I was directing theater, um, and ended up getting my first paid gig out there, uh, again, doing theater. Uh, and obviously that paid gig doing theater made me think, well, of course I can make a living as an actor in film. Sure. Having no experience in that. So why don't we just move out to L.A. and try it? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. So did it. So the third the third day that I was in L.A., uh, I met up with uh, a producer who was uh, a really good friend of my mom's accountant, because uh, that's how that works. <laughs> um, and he said, amongst you know a bunch of other really insightful things, you should uh, sign up for Central Casting. Um, it's a place where you can, you know, do what's called uh, background work, uh, where you can just get on sets, get on big sets, and just sort of learn learn how it all works uh, from behind the scenes. And me having literally never been on a film set before, I was like, that sounds cool, and they're going to pay me to do that. Okay, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so signed up with Central, uh, you know, went in, uh, one of their, you know, uh, registration days and I don't know how many dozens of other people that looked just like me were standing around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, uh, the bonus at that time was that, um, I was sort of, uh, on the tail end of a, of a gentleman's bet at that time. Uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, in college decided that we wanted to grow our hair out, uh, as long as possible. And mm-hmm. so uh, three years later, uh, I had won. Uh, so I walked into Central with um, with basically the hair of, of Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly, this didn't lead to my immediate casting and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, fortunately, uh, you know, a few days after registering, there was just a, you know, a cattle call for, for background for pedestrians for Spider-Man 2. And I was like... Oh my God! Of course, I want to be in Spider-Man too. Of course. Uh, so yeah, uh, made the call, got in, and so this was my first uh, experience on a set, and I was like pretty overwhelmed. I think uh, walking on, you know, onto the set. I mean, first of all, they were using my car as well. Oh, okay. Uh, so I got to drive right onto set, which was uh, downtown LA. Yeah. Uh, and this was. You know, back in 2003. So downtown was not a place that you wanted to go to after five o'clock at night. Sure. 
Um, so I drove onto set, um, parked my car, and, you know, there are trucks and lights and hundreds of people, and they were doing a shot that was uh, a Spidey cam shot. Um, so it was a stunt shot down four blocks of downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, at night that was shut down, and uh, the camera was on a wire maybe 50 feet in the air, and the camera literally just went from... 100 you know 50 feet in the air to you know to 20 feet uh down four blocks it followed a car chase that was happening okay uh and i uh i was a pedestrian it's fantastic so yeah that was my first experience on set was a car chase scene in shut down downtown la uh in 2003 what was your okay uh man i first of all i didn't know you and i both moved out here in the same year i had no idea uh That's funny. Uh, Twinsies. Yeah, right. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I'm curious what your expectation was then when you show up. Did you have any, like, maybe not expectation, but any, like, little hopes that, like, maybe somebody's going to notice me? Because I feel like sometimes we don't admit that, but I'll admit thoroughly, I've several times been like, oh, there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> oh, I mean, to the extent that, that I'm not going to sound stupid... I mean, <laughs> I had a I had a three month plan moving out to L.A. So of course, when I got the call for Spider Man Two, I was like, "This is probably going to be a big deal." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walking onto set, I was like, "All right, like I'm on set." You know, part of my three month plan here is just get on a few sets, get an agent, and and you know, and get to working. Yeah, that was what what was wrong with that plan? Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, walking onto set, I fully expected to be interacting directly with the director. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't know that there was a, an, a first AD or a second AD or a second second AD, that there was a hierarchy of people that separated me from any possible dream that could have come true that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I discovered that, that there was. Uh, you know, And then in addition to those people, there was also the key PA, and that was the person that was really responsible for wrangling all of us. And then there was you know another PA just to... There was probably like a hundred of us. Right. So, you know, uh, of all of us, I would say that that maybe none of us got close to the director. Sure. <laughs> so, could you yeah. see his suit though? Notorious for wearing a suit, Sam Raimi. No, I couldn't see him. I never saw him. I looked Damn real it. hard. I know, but because of of where we were and because of the nature of the shot, you know, Video Village was set up, you know, uh, in a in a trailer somewhere or in a parking lot somewhere that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes uh, sense. You know, we had a whole other parking lot just for background and background catering and all that stuff. How uh, how visible, if at all, are you? Do you know what little speck you are on the street? I do. I do. Um, uh-huh. There's a there's a moment where uh, there is a car chase happening. Someone has just stolen something from somebody. Uh, and it's like an old, like, it looks like an old uh, Dodge or, you know, like, mm-hmm. like some, some uh, you know, um, not topless. Jeez, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> a convertible? There it is. A topless <laughs> car. <laughs> Uh, I'll blame that one on coronavirus. Um, so yeah, no, there's a convertible driving on the street. It looked, it was very uh, sort of reminiscent of of the car from uh, from Evil Dead, actually. Oh sure, Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That kind of car, but yeah, it was a convertible driving down the street, and so uh, Spider Man was chasing this car. So that was the Spidey cam, and when the you know the Spidey cam swings to the left one time, uh, the speck of my uh, black leather jacketed body is standing on the corner. Love it. I it's amazing. If you have a screen cap, I want to see it. Uh, no, no appearance too small. No, nothing too blurry for this show. <laughs> I would love to see it. I'm going to grab it for you. Yay. You're the best. <laughs> Although the next thing I think we're going to talk about is going to be equally. Ex- okay. So here's the thing then. Uh, we'll, and we'll, we'll dig into the other stuff, of course. But like, so to start that fresh, like I came out here having gone to film school and knowing or thinking, I'm like, I'm not really going to get involved. I'm just going to write. I'm also <laughs> not going to act. Uh, you know, flip to 17 years later and I am <laughs> like sort of shifting more to the acting thing that I probably should have been doing at the beginning. Um, but I'm curious what the hell, uh, what did you feel on set? Was there like some sort of magic to it that made you want to come back or was it, eh, it's a paycheck and then eventually it grew on you? 
Oh, it was it was a combination of honestly magic and confusion. Okay. Um, and I say that in the best way possible. I had just moved out here from Boston. I'm from New York, mm-hmm. so I had just spent like a summer working in New York City as well. So I sort of had a, you know a very solid you know idea of of what New York looks like, feels like, and Spider Man obviously takes place in New York. So when I got to set, four blocks of downtown LA had been dressed to look like downtown New York. Uh huh. And so when I got there, it was like Lexington Ave and like, you know, the subway stations, you know, and and all these things. And I was just like, this is the most surreal and exciting thing that I think I've ever seen. It was just because I had nothing to compare it to either. Like this, this was my instant norm. It was, oh my God, this is what's possible, right? Right. I can walk downtown and not only is the entire, you know, in my in my purview, like the entire city is shut down for this movie, but I'm no longer in LA. I'm in New York that they've, they've dressed this entire, you know, this entire street line with, with, you know, with cabs and, and, and signs and plants and people. And like, it was just, you know, there was, there was steam coming out of the ground. Like it looked like New York and it was just in, in those moments, it was this confusing and magical realization that like, this is, this is this is it. Like if I can get paid to come out here and play pretend mm-hmm. uh, in 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 situations like this where I'm just like I'm in awe of everything going on. Like I hope this doesn't wear off and 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 I, I'm in. Yeah. Did you have any designs on directing film in any way yet? No, not no, at all. None. Not at all. I That's I had directed theater in college simply because I I mean I'd been acting since I was in third grade. Um, and just wanted to sort of try my hand at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. Um, but again, the sort of what I knew was performance. Yeah. Uh, so it never really crossed my mind that, that I would want to get behind the camera just yet. I was too excited about how good my long hair looked. <laughs> so. To be fair, I have seen that hair and it is glorious. It is the kind of hair I thought I wanted growing up. Because I <laughs> Which had, the, you had, I believe. I had long hair, but I did not have like wavy or curly or anything. No body to it. The wispiest, <laughs> thinnest, most terrible hair. Um, Grass is always greener, man. It's like you're, you're describing Patrick Swayze right now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If you look at young me, that's what you first think. Oh, look, a young Patrick Swayze who's just in, been in a car accident and had <laughs> some kind of reconstructive surgery that went terribly wrong. Um, look, if, if accidental doppelganger day comes up, like uh-huh. you're in. Sure, yeah. Accidental. Um, <laughs> let's talk about... Uh, well, so we combine the first two. Sometimes that happens. I do. I do like when people's first experience is an extra gig because I do think it is a fascinating way to be separate, but also totally in it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about, and I'm guessing that these two might interject a little bit, but uh, interject is not the word I meant. I meant intersect. Uh, let's talk about Deadwood because mm. this is a show I've never seen but really uh, want to and love how it looks. So I don't know why I haven't seen it yet, but you were there for a while. I was there for a while. That was, I mean, after Spider-Man 2, and I'll call that out as much as possible, after I was in Spider-Man 2, um, you know, this was this was my next uh, my next job. Mm-hmm. So again, it sort of, it sort of kept me in this bubble um, mm-hmm. of, of big budget productions. Um, but yeah, Deadwood, Deadwood is... It's just—it's an incredible show. I mean, it's—it's it's an old—it's a—it's a western written, you know, as if Shakespeare lived in the old west. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, talk about just like a like a surreal experience. Um, I mean, all I remember is one of my first days walking walking onto set. And I mean, preface this by saying that most of our call times were around 4.45 or 5.15 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, so that we could all be dressed and ready by when the sun poked through so we can start shooting with natural light as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when that happens, what you do is you go through hair, makeup, wardrobe. And again, as a, as a new, uh, you know, LA transplant, as, a, as an actor who just wants to be in it, to actually like have hair, makeup, and wardrobe people paying attention to you is a big deal. Oh yeah. Um, you know, not only am I getting fitted, but I'm also I'm getting my hair 
touched up. I'm getting my makeup done. I'm having dirt put on me, on my hands and face by, you know, by these amazingly talented people. Uh, you know, I'm having bags of dirt thrown at my body because that's, uh, you know, normal, right? That's not uh, yeah. out of the realm. Of, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was fun. Um, and, you know, once I'm a dirty mess and I'm I'm dressed head to toe in four layers of, of prospecting gear, uh, I'm handed a pick and a water bottle and told to go, you know, stand on set and wait for instructions. And when you walk out onto the main street at Melody Ranch um, at six o'clock in the morning and the sun is coming over the hills and you're surrounded by 50 other prospectors and a few cowboys and some horses and there's no gear out there yet, like it's another world. Mm-hmm. It was it was just honestly one of the most incredible feelings to walk out there and just truly feel like you had been transported into another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, you know, that I'll never forget those experiences. And that was pretty much every time. I mean, you know, the more you do it, people get jaded, of course. But for me, I, I was always just excited to be there, honestly. I mean, I'm getting paid, you know, a massive $54 for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're feeding me, you know, and yeah. they're dressing me up and, you know, I'm allowed to stand there and watch, which for me was my film school. Yeah. Um, you know, so being background on that show and then on top of that, to watch David Milch direct that show was mind blowing. Um, you know, just to see him interact with the, with the actors and see him and see how he, you know, crafted his stories and see, you know, that like the show evolved on a, on an episode to episode basis mm-hmm. based on, on his interactions with, with the cast. And if someone was doing something that he liked, he, he would explore it in a script. His script wasn't, wasn't static uh, and his story wasn't static. I mean, his, you know, his A to Z, I think was pretty, pretty set, but everything to get him there was sort of, you know, whatever he wanted and whatever he felt in the moment. And I think it really worked. So yeah, he's one of those guys who's uh, notorious slash well known slash respected for <laughs> changing things up at the last second when they've given, as you described it, Shakespearean not just action but dialogue to people uh-huh. that they have to then memorize on the spot. And I got the you get the feel. Anybody out there, if you ever want to hear, listen to Stephen Tobolowsky uh, talk anywhere about uh, Deadwood, because uh, he gives a pretty, uh, him, uh, there's a great podcast called I Was There Too, uh, where some people who had some lines on the show talk about their experiences getting um, brand new lines out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> my God, yeah, to, to be able to watch a guy who's got that kind of blank check to make whatever he wants, like that's also like, you're not just getting film school, you're getting like, oh, this is what happens when you're at the top of your game and you, you kind of get to do whatever you want, which means you get to see more of the possibilities. You know, you yeah. somebody not so restricted. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And look, the fact that the guy could sort of wing old West Shakespearean <laughs> yeah. dialect. Yeah. Like, okay. Like I you know, the actors, yeah, they were uncomfortable with it, but mm-hmm. you you gotta sort of go with it at that point. And and by the way, Stephen Tobolowski, I mean, we can circle back to him, but he he's one of the guys that I ended up being in, in several episodes with. And mm-hmm. he's phenomenal like yeah. i mean just watching him work he's also just a genius um season two episode five actually and six so amazing um, if you're into that uh yeah well i mean now i'm gonna have to check it out because my friend mitch <laughs> is in it uh i mean why would i not uh why would <laughs> so anybody you were on not? there for three months yeah, I was on there for three months. That was sort of my, like, in between that and, uh, you know, my cliche job at the cafe slinging coffee, um, mm-hmm. that was my that was my main uh, source of income, honestly. Uh, it was pretty much every day if, if I was available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was a prospector in town. So How far away was that, that was Melody Ranch? I have literally have no idea where this is. It's uh, it's up in like Santa Clarita area, so it was probably oh. about four. I mean, at the at the time with no traffic, you know, thirty to forty minutes. Yeah, that's not so bad. That's not no, so bad. It, I mean, it's it's not great at you know if you have to be there at four forty five in the morning. <laughs> but you also didn't like none of us showered before we went. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to get covered in oil and dirt and then stand <laughs> in the in the desert for the day. So Ugh. we were all fine. 
we yeah, were yeah. all fine. <laughs> uh, and supposedly they dry cleaned our clothes all, every weekend. So, uh huh. But who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? knows? Who that's knows? fantastic. I, I like I like my own stink. It's fine. Sure, that's okay. And I mean, you 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 got use out of that long hair immediately. I'm assuming you didn't cut it for this, right? So. Correct. I got the long hair and I, I got to grow out a beard. I think yeah. that was the first time in my life that I had like grown a beard out. That's so funny. Actually, now that that's I'm all I'm used to. It. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Deadwood, for my personality, I guess. <laughs> uh, for my persona, rather. <laughs> I was going to say, your beard yeah. is your personality? My personality this is got my real own. dark thank and you. sad fast, <laughs> Yeah. Bitch. Oh, wow. Thanks for everything, Deadwood. <laughs> How about... <laughs> thank uh... you. What about your first, and it, we, this might skip forward, this might skip backward, but your first, like, celebrity interaction of any kind. And that, you know, if you're working in a restaurant, it could be then, too. But I'm always curious. Ooh, first celebrity interaction, that's tough. Um, it's one of two. Mm. It was either Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> Maybe we go with her. <laughs> <laughs> For so many reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I worked at... Uh, am I allowed to, like, name the cafes that I've worked at? Is that I, a thing? I don't give a shit. I don't know. There's <laughs> no, Yeah, I worked at Literati Cafe. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, respect to Literati. Sure. Um, in Brentwood. And, um, yeah, I guess one of my first few... I guess I worked there for a, a while, so maybe it was a month or so into working there. Um Elizabeth Berkeley walks in, uh, and um, we just she was just like the kindest person, mm-hmm. and you know we hit it off over her uh, wildly complicated egg white order, <laughs> um, and and every every time she came in after that, and she was regular, uh, you know we just have really nice little fun conversations. At one point during my lunch break, like she invited me over to sit with her and um, uh, her husband, mm-hmm. something one of the Loren folks okay uh not ralph loren but like one of like it's it's one of those guys oh okay uh i sat and they showed me their wedding pictures <laughs> that's adorable um so yeah and i mean at, you know at one point we were singing uh, to each other across the counter i mean these were my bizarre surreal interactions with celebrities mm-hmm. um i god oh my gosh i worked at borders also now i'm remembering all this stuff i worked at borders and i met winnie cooper what? Um, Come on. That's her real name. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but this was like like the week after I had met Matt Groening. Oh my God. Um, he just came up and gave me his credit card and I looked at it and I looked at him and he just said, yup. <laughs> and that was that was our whole interaction and, and he was fantastic and he was, that was it. Um, but Winnie Cooper came up and we were, uh, Danica Patrick, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, came up to the counter and we were about to close uh, and she had a few books, you know, in a pile and she puts the pile on the on the counter and she's, I think she was texting or something. And I start smiling and I start checking her books out. And as I do this, I say, I'm so sorry, but I have to draw your attention to my t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And she looks up and she sees that I'm wearing an I Heart Winnie Cooper t-shirt <laughs> uh, with Fred Savage's face on it, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, and she has a little minor freak out and asks if she can take my picture. I love it. Uh, and then she signed it with a Sharpie. <laughs> and um, I want to say that was the beginning of a, of a long and, and fruitful friendship. But then the customer next to us started talking to her and then she got... <laughs> panicked and left <laughs> so those are my i think those are my first real memorable uh, uh celebrity interactions apart from db sweeney but what you met db sweeney that's right. oh man yeah this is awkward though oh okay uh, well it's up to you you don't have to tell it well, all right. So he can't, he comes, this is all literati. So he comes into literati and he comes up to the counter and he's ordering whatever he's ordering. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a few months into LA and, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm charging him and, uh, you know, I'm just, as I'm like, you know, typing in his order and stuff, I'm just like, I'm so sorry, but you look so familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and having lived out here for more than three months, mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't say that to people. <laughs> no. Um, and, uh, I was like, do I, have we met before? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he's like, I don't think so. 
And I'm like, are you from New York? And he's like, no. And I was, he's like, I'm an actor. And I was like, no, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, well, I don't know then. And he hands me his credit card and I look down and it says DB Sweeney on Uh it. And I was like, oh, oh, there, there, there that is. Uh, And so, you know, I handed him his card and and we didn't talk anymore after that. (laughs) So learn to keep my mouth shut. That's one of those that's like... If you just, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> thing is, you're Stop. also not responsible for anybody else's ego. So, you know, mix back. For sure. Yeah, but like who in, in this day or even 15 years ago was like, you know what I want to do? I want to I want to knock D.B. Sweeney down a few pegs because I feel like he's just too high up there right now. Like, you know, The Cutting Edge is still everyone's favorite movie. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, respect to D.B. Sweeney. Thank you. Sure, sure, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, (laughs) let's talk about, uh, two, well, I mean, I didn't expect you to tell me any of these. I'd forgotten once you sent me the photo, I'm like, oh, right, Deadwood. We've talked about this before, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know you're on Boston (laughs) public. Tell me how and why that happened and how that led to, uh, other work in Boston related programming. Oh my God. Well, (laughs) uh, I cut my hair. Oh. Uh, and so Deadwood no longer needed my services. Sure. Um, because I would now looked like I was in high school. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was still a central and, uh, you know, I went back in and re-registered. And so they, uh, they threw me pretty quickly into Boston public, mm-hmm. uh, which was a wild departure from Deadwood. Yeah. Um, no wild west pun intended, I guess. Sure. I feel like I just like wanted to create that. That's and, okay. You did. And you're gonna have to live with it. Sit in that yeah. for a bit, Mitch. Well, let's, we, should, we can move. We can move forward from that. I'm going <laughs> to sit in it right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, started. I, I did maybe like a few. I think it was just like a few weeks on Boston Public. Um, you know, I was a student mm-hmm. uh, with with a backpack, mm-hmm. um, and I would walk in the halls, and and I met so many people. Like when you're on Deadwood, you have to understand that like it's the wild bunch, right? It's mm-hmm. like. A bunch of like older like older dudes that have like done this for years like they're in this because like they look like they should be there Mm -hmm. Um, and they're good at it and you know they can they can be bikers they can be wild west dudes just by being there and they're awesome right Um, but like you know they're sort of over it and like most of them are, are union and so it's like they're just chilling and then when you tell them to get up they get up on Boston public, it was like someone had thrown chum in the water and like you just have a hundred young, hungry actor sharks (laughs) just trying to shine so hard Mm -hmm. and and trying to be friends with the first AD and trying to be friends with the second AD. Um, And it was just like, it was a much different experience for me because on Deadwood, it was just like, you know, come on in and hang out and like have the experience and like just be here and like enjoy it. And like, maybe you'll get a voucher. Maybe you won't. But like, all right, cool. You know, uh, I'd love to be SAG. But, you know, at this point, like I'll take my 54 and the lessons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Do we I I don't want to sidetrack us, but it comes up so so infrequently weirdly i want to sort of explain vouchers to people so that this show can have at least a slightly educational aspect to it and as a (laughs) producer you understand them probably better than i do because i while sag eligible i'm still sitting here uh in my own sag eligibleness uh why don't you explain (laughs) vouchers to people a little better uh sure uh so the uh basically at the end of the day you get uh your pay stub is called a voucher uh, and there are union vouchers and there are non-union vouchers. Uh, when you walk in and you're and you're me from nowhere, you get a non-union voucher, uh, and that entitles you to fifty-four dollars for eight hours and not a whole lot more. Um, when you get a union voucher, uh, uh, it means that people can see you on TV. Um, I guess the big thing for for someone that's trying to actually just be an actor is that a non-union voucher means that no one's going to see your face, or mm-hmm. you're not going to have you're not going to have a line, you're not going to be featured. Right. Uh, a union voucher means that you were featured, or you push the the plot along in some way important enough to uh, 
to sort of make it a, a union status situation. It, you know, you could have a, a line, you could have a word, you could ha- you could you know do something that just alters the plot line, uh, and then you get a union voucher. Um, these are like gold because they rarely happen, uh, and when they do, if you get three of them. Uh, you can trade them out for a shiny new uh, Screen Actors Guild membership card. Uh, all you need is three vouchers and several thousand dollars. Aha, uh-huh. yeah. Um, so does that sort of explain it? It does. No, that's 100%. Like, and that kind of scrambling for them, I remember people doing it, and I remember like, I hope that happens, but I, it, your description of them as sharks is so accurate. I just didn't want to <laughs> get in the middle of that fucking pool, man. I'll just I'll stay mm-hmm. over here. If it happens, it happens. I got like one or two ever, and they were just because they called me back uh, uh, out of nowhere, and they're like, oh, we'll give you a SAG voucher if you come by. Uh, so that's the only way that ever <laughs> happened with me. And then I ended up getting yeah. Taft Hartley in a friend's project. So, you know, that's how that is. Um, Which is so funny. It's like, I mean, if, if people really understood, like, the rules behind getting Taft-Hartley or getting, mm-hmm. you know, just your union status, like, it, it's a whole lot. Well, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's not. We don't just we, we can skip that portion. It's the, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah. I, I like delving into it a little because there are definitely people listening to this who have zero idea what we're talking about. But let's 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 skip back. Boston Public, Minch is there competing with other 18 to look younger, 20 somethings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's having a weird time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's <laughs> he's sort of it, it, he's taking it as a as no longer a film school study, but more of a character study. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. In in just sort of you know interactions and like you know the worth of an interaction uh, between humans. Uh, and it was just it was bizarre. And <laughs> so like it was one of those things where it was regular work, but like I didn't see myself staying there for long. Yeah. Um. You know, it was just a different experience. Um. Because of of it, because it was sort of uh, it was network. Um, you know, the directors changed every week. And so it was much more of, I think, of a, of a machine, uh, even though it was David E. Kelly and it was still like the, you know, the dialogue was great and the stories were great. It was still just like, uh, it just, it, it felt more of a mach- like more of a machine than Deadwood. And you right. know, Deadwood is, is, is a terrible thing to compare things to because of the freedom that, you know, HBO grants its, its creatives. Right. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, it was just it felt very it felt much more sort of regimented, scheduled. Like we have to just sort of get this done. Um, and again, it was just a sea of eighteen to look youngers uh, doing our best. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think th- th- there wasn't anything about that that was terribly exciting, except for the fact that that when that show left, I was still on their list. And uh, when Boston Legal started. Uh, that got me an opportunity on that. That's funny. I don't yeah. think I've ever, I don't think I've ever had that situation happen where they're like, oh, we know you. But how how long were you on uh, Boston Public for so that you were on a list of some kind? I mean, I think I was on there for like several weeks. Oh, okay. Like it wasn't a terribly long amount of time, but. That's enough um, for them to remember you though. I guess so, but not enough that I was there too often. Like I think one of the mm. things that we have to, as background artists, remember is that if you're if you're on a show as background for too long, it's the kiss of death. You're oh, yeah. no longer, uh, you know, treated as someone with, you know, any other skills other than you're going to be in the background. <laughs> yeah. If you're relatively new, like there's a chance that you can get a line. There's a chance that you can be featured because. You know, we don't see you every week as a as a blob. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, and that might be wrong. At the same time, there are people that I know were like, you know, had been talking up the ads for months, and finally they'd get a voucher. You know, yeah, um, and that kind of stuff. I mean, look, I was in Deadwood. There was an episode where I was actually pushing the storyline forward. I didn't have lines, but mm-hmm. I was pushing the storyline forward. I was, I was, you know. Uh, recognizable and I was present and I was doing things that were, uh, you know, I was tarring and feathering a guy. Holy shit. Uh, <clears throat> like one of the leads. Amazing. And I brought the tar and, but there was no voucher for that. There was nothing. Wow. So yeah, it was really like, it's that like, you know, it's that sort of cutthroat. It's, it's really just at the leisure of the ADs on that day. That's um, interesting. And whatever the, I guess the budget is, you know, I know there's like a, there's a budget for X amount of SAG 
sure uh you know sag vouchers that day right 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 yeah that's the other so. that's the other situation too that slows things down um yeah. let's talk about <laughs> i was not expecting you to tell me that herbie fully loaded was something you worked on <laughs> oh boy oh boy <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, we all have dark moments. Um, <laughs> sure. It was a paycheck, you know? And did I want to run after uh, nothing uh, in a scene that was going to be CG later uh, as part of a crowd? Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, did I want to be <clears throat> um, in a stadium sitting next to a cardboard cutout uh, of another person because that's basically what I was doing? You know, sure. Um, but like the, the sort of the ego check on that job where it was like, you know, hundreds of background every day uh-huh. and I'm literally sitting next to a cardboard cutout doing the same job as me. Like at that point, like I think that was one of the last ones that I that I did. Yeah. I think that that might have been one of the last ones that I did. And that was just like, I, I, I can't, I can't. I know I'm getting paid more than this cardboard cutout, but at the same time, like, did I cost as much as the cardboard cutout? Like, right. I don't know. Right. Um, but also, like, are they really going to see me in this crowd if I'm standing next to a cardboard cutout? Right. Probably not. Yeah, you are functionally, so, you are waving arms. That is your function. Waving arms and standing at the very most. Yeah, at the very most. (laughs) And, and, you know, in those moments, I'm like, oh, I do have a college degree. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But anyway, oh, you want me to stand up now? Okay, cool. I can do that. I can for sure do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to sit back. I I didn't do it right. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. yeah, it's it's pretty there. It can be humbling in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's one of these massive budget productions. But at the yeah. end of the day, it's still like, uh, you know, it, it makes you sort of reevaluate sometimes. You know, like I said, being on Deadwood, it's it's inspirational. Being on Herbie, it was <laughs> it was you know, uh, as your laugh indicates, mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic. So. The best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> Well, next to uh, ruining a take with James Spader on Boston Legal, yes. Oh my God, are you kidding me? No. Please tell no. me it. Why did why did this not come up? You know what? This needs to go in my regular list of questions because I'm not the only person who's ever fucked up a take. I've got to put. I'm literally <laughs> writing this down right now. Have you ever fucked up a take? Please. Oh and with James Spader, come on. Y- yeah, and he, I mean, in case you were at all curious, like, uh-huh. he's not one to do it again if he uh-huh. doesn't need to. Uh-huh. Uh, and I made him do it again. <laughs> um, I was just I was just told to cross a room and, and go from a hallway through a door. Uh, I wasn't told that James Spader was coming out of the door. Oh, no. Um, and so I'm literally walking with my, my paralegal clipboard or whatever the hell I'm, I'm carrying and I'm, I'm just, I'm doing what I was told and I'm looking at my clipboard and I like, I don't look up soon enough and I almost plow into James Spader who has to like pivot around me and then doesn't deliver his lines. The cameras are rolling, just stops. And he's like, um, I'm sorry. Did I get the blocking wrong? <laughs> and then it was, and cut. Ooh. And then I crawled inside of myself uh-huh. and um, truly did not want to do this again. I get um, that. I get that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it was, it was a single moment and we did it again and it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I fully fucked up that take. It's those moments that... It's technically on you, but it's definitely on the person who was supposed to tell you where to go because uh, ADs or whoever the hell's in charge, you know, there's a person who's designing the flow of the scene as you go because they've seen the scene get blocked already without extras, usually, I Mm -hmm. I believe. And then they're like, okay, cool. Well, you're going to go here because uh, go on this line or blah, 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 blah. One of the critical parts of that, let's be honest, is, oh, uh, Mitch or... Hello, number three. Uh, you're going to come out this door with that that binder. Just watch out for James. He's going to be crossing or he's going to be coming out the door. This is going to like that is always a key part of it. Now, they're human and they can fuck up, too. But you still, as the extra, always bear the brunt of it. 
it is a rule by it is just like i don't want to get fired i want to be in the pga or the dga someday so we're just gonna blame it on the extra (laughs) seriously and it it was it was pretty much i went back to my first position Mm -hmm. and the the second id was like okay so let's just we're we're just gonna have you go a different direction uh Mm -hmm. we're not gonna have you go that way again Mm -hmm. um and i was like yep yeah, by the way, when they don't when they do not chew you out, it's usually a sign that they actually fucked up but don't want to admit it. Now the the better ones will obviously not chew you out at all, but uh, that's really I'm sorry. I've hey <laughs> here's the thing. If you never walked into a camera, you're doing better than me. I walked into a camera, basically. No. Uh-huh. On the set of Joan of Arcadia. Uh <laughs> playing a teen and i basically not full on i didn't like headbutt it but i walked basically right into it and uh, they're like uh yeah they ruined i, I ruined that take and uh same oh thing God. you sort of shrink as a human and then you go uh-huh. back and they let you i've got i've got more embarrassing stories than that but i get it i i, I know how it feels although again i ha- i think if it had been james spader i have such a response to alpha personalities like that i probably would have started crying so you're doing better <laughs> than me i mean it was it was pretty much like that but it was it was more of like a you're the guy from wolf <laughs> and, and and I don't know like like I don't know how to react to you like right. you're just like you're on another plane right now yeah and and the way that you reacted was was definitely not in the like oh whoops you know it wasn't in that category Mitch I'm uh, going to eat you now I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to force you down my throat and swallow you now yeah then that's we'll, pretty we'll... much what it would have been mm-hmm. uh, in my head mm-hmm. uh, that's actually what happened in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I mean, the, look, the, the funniest part about all that is that mm-hmm. I was a paralegal in real life at the time and I had taken the day off to go be a paralegal background work <laughs> where I didn't have to use my brain. Yeah. And, and that was pretty apparent at that point. So <laughs> now what anyway. was your, what was your justification for taking a day off of what was probably a better paying job? Oh, I would have gotten paid at least four times more had I gone to work that day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to be on set. Okay. That's totally honestly, justified. That's simple answer. I, if, if I have a choice between set and anything else, I choose set. Mm-hmm. You were in a movie that I will, will pretend we both knew the name of called Going the Distance 2010 starring Drew Barrymore and Justin Long. Is that what it was called? It's from 2010. Is that the right time period? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. How was that one, Mitch? <laughs> Memorable? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. All I knew it was I was a one day gig and I was like, you know, it's the, the, the latest Drew Barrymore Justin Long movie, and I was like, uh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh I don't remember I, I was it was like some like Montrose, you know, looking kind of area where it was very sort of like idyllic. Um and they were like maybe on a date, maybe. Sure. I was a pedestrian, like, uh-huh. you know, it looked like literally every other Drew Barrymore, like, it could have been never been kissed and I wouldn't have known. Right, right. And if they had said, oh, they already filmed that, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> is this the sequel? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Never been kissed too. never been kissed harder or something. Sure, yeah, something to that um, effect. Yeah, you can edit that out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. There's, I have no, I have no real recollection other than that I did that. I mm-hmm. didn't know. I think it was. I think the the working title was Moonlight something. Okay, okay, because it was such a secretive project. I mean, you know, when it's never been kissed too, uh-huh. you have to keep it under wraps. <laughs> yeah, it was for sure a working title project. That's like it, what? Really it's so weird. I mean, I think it was like because it was in Justin Long's heyday or something. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. No. It's it's that's about yeah. That's 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 peak long is what that is. Peak long. Peak long. Uh huh. You were in. Okay. So here's the thing. Would you tell me Korean dragon movie? Question mark. You need to explain yourself. <laughs> So this is like a walk down memory lane for someone that doesn't remember things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was in some... Oh, my God. I think it was called Dragon Wars. Okay, okay. Okay, that's a that's a thing. Uh-huh, sure. Um, and maybe I'll look it up later. Uh-huh. It was, it was... And I was in a scene where there's maybe a hundred of us uh, all in, like, some sort of, like, you know, ancient-looking armor... Um, and we were all soldiers, okay. and but we were demon soldiers. 
Um, and I was I was thrilled to be doing this uh, until the moment that they put the mask out on me. Okay. And then I was like, well, I'm sure I'll be able to find myself if I watch the movie mm-hmm. with this mask on in a sea of a hundred other people that all have the same masks on. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was like some massive scene where like the, like some sorcerer or something was like summoning some dark creature, uh, or maybe he summoned us. I don't really remember, but I just remember like putting on like demonic samurai garb (laughs) and feeling like the biggest badass I had ever been because I'm not really a badass. <laughs> I'm I'm a t-shirt and shorts kind of guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so when you throw ancient samurai garb on me, like I'm gonna feel pretty good. Like it was it was like my last samurai moment. Like <laughs> if I had had the ability to have a top bun in that in that scene, mm-hmm. I would have done it. Of course, of course. Um, and and yeah, so it was a it was a cool thing. I mean, we got to I think like make a noise at one point. That was awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was pretty much it. We just stood there in formation. Uh, oh we might have walked into or out of said formation as well. But I think if we were like demonic samurai, I don't think we would have walked anywhere. I think we would have just appeared there. Yeah, there's definitely a, a Korean movie called Dragon Wars 2007 is when it came out. Well, Amazing. Was it actually Korean? Uh, yeah. Uh, the director was Korean. Uh, it's, it's it's Dragon Wars or Dra- uh, Dragon Wars D War uh, is is uh, one of the subtitles. Uh, D War. That was it. Budget. That was thirty five million dollars. Box office ninety nine million. What? <laughs> it made its money back and then what? Some. <laughs> Yeah, the working title was just D-War. That's why I couldn't remember it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a mix of the two. And then when you see some of the actors here, I'm like, wait, there's some people in this I I thoroughly recognize. Uh, That's really funny. Craig Robinson's in it. That's got to be great. (laughs) Yeah. I might have to watch this later. Yeah, I'm I'm now convinced I'm going to. Uh, And then you had mentioned something that I guess I had forgotten existed called A Thousand Ways to Die. What was that? Why are you in it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at it this, and I'm confused by it. It's it was it was a truly twisted show. It was on Spike for a while, uh, and it was I think one of, I think it was not one of their top shows, if not their number one show uh, for a while. And it was literally just uh, reenactments of stupid people dying in stupid ways. And so every episode had two story arcs, and in each arc. Someone was someone was an asshole, right? So you were like fine with them dying, mm-hmm. and then they did something that was stupid, and they died from it. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you know, it was like someone that had like eaten like a CO two cartridge at one point just for like a goof ended up like having their asshole explode. I mean, it was like <laughs> these like these things that like I'd say like sixty percent of them were were actually real things, uh-huh. and forty percent were just insane. Uh-huh. Um, and so. I uh, I was actually working in the locations department on this show, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and there were a few episodes that popped up that they you know it was a non-union show, so you didn't have to be SAG to be featured, uh, and so they needed just you know someone to do something, and so there was one episode where a guy this this again this asshole is just on his phone and he's uh, he steals a cab from this this pregnant woman or something. And uh, he's like yelling at somebody on his phone outside the cab, and a an electrical like uh, like a service truck drives by, mm-hmm. and there's like you know there's like you know how they have like the coils of cable on the back of these trucks sometimes I sure. guess I don't know. Uh, so there was a coil of cables, and then on the edge of the of the coil was a hook, and as this truck drives by, the hook swings out, and and clips the the trunk of the the open trunk of the cab mm-hmm. that I'm driving mm-hmm. um, and the wire gets taut and cuts the guy in half <laughs> so his body splits in half and it's my reaction to him being cut in half basically <laughs> as, a, as a cabbie from like the rearview mirror sure sure so that was I, it was like like Professional blur, like plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, the other one, I was just—I was a pedestrian, and one that I just—I crossed the street. 
Have you Tor- ever, I mean, I'm assuming since you didn't, you ne- you never went SAG, right? So you've never been bumped up to a line or anything in any, in, uh, any programs. I, I went SAG. You did go SAG. Okay. See, I, I did I go that. SAG. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't remember what my, th- oh my God, I got a, I got vouchers cause I was a stand in. Oh, okay. I was doing a stand in on a feature film, uh, and I got paid in vouchers. Okay. Um, and so I joined SAG, and and it's very memorable because I joined in September of two thousand seven, mm-hmm. uh, and then I quit acting in in October of two thousand seven. <laughs> but at least I paid my my initiation fee of two thousand three hundred dollars. Thank uh-huh. you, mom, uh-huh. um, for doing that for me. Um, and that was that was pretty much the end of my acting career. Wow. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, but I, at least I like, I, I can say that like, I, I got there. Yeah. You know, like it's not check bad. that off of the list, right? Like, yeah, no, it's not bad at all. Yeah. What about so, uh, your first time wrangling or in any way involved with being in charge of extras? What was that like? What was it on? If you can talk about it. Sure. Uh, so one of the first sets that I was actually on, um, the first time that I that I did like again, I was just saying yes to everybody and everything when I first moved here. Um, so I ended up doing a, a script supervising work for uh, for a celebrity hole in one golf tournament, <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and from there, I met a guy, Rob Clyde, uh, and he was um, he was getting ready to do a, a short film a few months later. Um, with Kyle Gass, uh, and I was like, "Well, sign me up, however you 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 can." Yeah. Um, and so he reached out when it was getting closer, and he asked me to to be the second AD uh, and also help him co-produce it. Uh, I knew uh, what neither of those things entailed, <laughs> um, but was like, "Sure." And then when he said, "Well, second AD deals with uh, you know talent and background," I said, "Oh, well, okay." I can do that. Sure. Um, so I remember one of our first scenes with background was at a skate park. Um, and uh, so I was on rollerblades because it was low budget. And I was also one of the skaters. Um, my my issue that I discovered that day mm-hmm. was that as, a, as, a, as an actor, um, I needed to give every single person a backstory. Uh, wow. Like I couldn't just say walk from here to there, and then repeat it. I would walk up to them and say, "Okay, you guys are friends. Uh, you guys have just been doing. Um, I don't know. You guys have been skating here for years. This is really this is this is your favorite place to be. You're so happy, but something has happened, and so now you know you just you need to like you know figure that out and have a conversation. And maybe you're like you know you're." working through something or you're talking through I mean this is not exactly what I said but like uh-huh. this is what happens pretty much every single time that I'm trying to place background is I'm like you need to have a reason for what you're doing and now is this something that you decided on or were you instructed to do this oh it's purely fr- I think it was f- from the 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 months of experience of being treated like cattle oh okay oh okay I like that all right then so I, I wanted to c- connect with background and I wanted to make sure that they knew that they were important yeah, uh, and that they were appreciated. And so I didn't want to, I, I always felt bad just, just A, not learning a name mm-hmm. and B, not giving them more than just, uh, you know, A to B and repeat. That's pretty good. So... But that's you know, and I've 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 assistant directed for years, and I've I've directed and produced and all these things, and I still I have the same issue. Uh, I wouldn't call it an issue necessarily, but like, but as an AD, like it, I I usually take my second AD and I say you're you're dealing with background because it's faster because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I can't do it yeah. uh, without slowing us down immensely because I'm literally just thinking about backstories for everybody. I love it. I love that. I I honestly wish uh, more ADs and such did that. I get why they wouldn't, and I get what you're saying, but uh, even the smallest amount of... It also makes them feel like they're something, uh, which I'll tell you, my first episode of anything, it was like, oh, I'm not... I'm not... 
I'm not anything, but <laughs> it was fun. You know, I still get chills when I get on a set, you know, like that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I still like doing extra work sometimes, sometimes. I'd, sometimes. I'd prefer sometimes. lines. You know, Mitch is giving me a line, everybody. He, Mitch is giving me a few lines and some things. I've given you a few lines. Quite a few. Quite a few. And you've you've delivered spectacularly. Sure. We'll say that. We'll pretend that's true. Um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, so we have one segment on the show, Mitch. Uh, we have one segment called Five and Over, where somebody takes a an extra gig or a five and under, and they expand it into a spinoff. It does not have to be the same genre. It does not have to be the same medium. Uh, it could even be its own comic book. Who cares? Uh, which one of your extra gigs would you turn into something else? What a great question. Um, Thank you. I, I think that based on my experiences and what would be the most accessible to me is I would want to do something off of Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I would call it Boston Paralegals. Mm-hmm. And it's basically all of the... Uh, the, the paralegals that basically do all of the work for James Spader and William Shatner that don't get any of the credit for it. And, uh, but then we see, you know, like we see James Spader and William Shatner, like in the background of what we're doing because mm-hmm. now we're really important. Uh, and I feel like it would sort of be like, it would be like scrubs meets, um, meets Boston legal. I love it. I yeah, would absolutely, I would absolutely watch that show. There's, there's no doubt about. It. Do you have your character's name in mind? Oh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> is it still a drama, or is it a comedy, or is it something oh, else? It, it's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a mockumentary sort oh. of comedy. It's like, but you know, without the sort of the, uh, the interviews. It's I really love it. sort of just like you know, like day in the life kind of stuff. That's good. That's good. I'd watch this show. Uh, yeah. Mitch, you're a delight. Thanks, Jason. So are you. Well, thank you. Uh, wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. Uh, your episode <laughs> is going to... I can, I'm finally <laughs> organized enough to be able to tell people when their episodes are coming out. Is that exciting for you? Um, your Mitch is going to... Uh, your Mitch... <laughs> <laughs> when is my me coming out? <laughs> yeah, your, your you uh, is coming out uh, April 24th. Uh, I don't know what if you've got anything Mitch? specific to promote between then and now or after that, but hit us with it. Gosh, April twenty fourth—that's a long ways away. It is. Um, I mean, assuming that we're we're still, you know, in our homes, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. being as creative as we have been, um, you know, you can check out my website, uh, whoproductionsla.com. dot mm-hmm. uh, There's a bunch of stuff on there. Um, we've got uh, we've got a short film that I directed in January uh, called "Bigger Than a Breadbox." Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's sort of a, a comedy about uh, a couple that buys a tiny house mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sort of are in for a, a fun surprise All right, when they like move it. in. Um, so that was the worst description of a show ever, um, <laughs> but uh, it's very funny and it should be hitting the film festival circuit hopefully soon. Um, and yeah, I'm just, uh, I mean, April 24th, uh, yeah, go to whoproductionsla.com. Um, uh, there'll be a bunch of narrative work that you can check out of mine, including Shots Fired, uh, co-starring Jason Klom. Oh, hi. Uh, who plays Metatron, mm-hmm. uh, God's right hand. That's right. So yeah, all this stuff is going to be available at that point uh, for free for people to watch. So Awesome. Stay tuned. Um, thank you for that. Um, and thank you for doing this. This is super, super fun. Um, oh, what's your favorite uh, item uh, from craft service? If you had to pick one. <sighs> so it's like, am I, am, I, am I telling myself that I'm being healthy that day while I graze? Or no, no, no. I this is your just... favorite. Your absolute favorite. <sighs> it's the, if they have it, if it's fancy, it's just, it's the uh, individually wrapped uh, Trader Joe's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Oh, come on. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Those if are, they have them. Yeah. But I usually mean, like on most of the sets that I'm on, it's like, you know, they're half melted or whatever, but like yeah, on yeah, the yeah. nice sets, they're in the shade. Of course. Of course. My favorite thing to get when I was still eating uh, animal food uh, and not animal food, but food with animals in it. Uh, <laughs> I was eating animal food on the sets. Uh, I worked on some very bad productions. Oh boy. You were <laughs> just, on Deadwood too, huh? Yeah. Friskies. Uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, whenever they would have a bagel with locks, I would just be like, oh, 
you know, a bagel with lox in LA is $14. I'm getting a $50 bagel right now. I'm just <laughs> loading it on. I'm just, I don't care. This is, uh, and that was usually my favorite thing to do. That's I've, I've never so asked anybody smart. that, but I'm going to ask everybody from now on because that's, it's a telling question, I think. It is, but that's so smart for you to do that. Like, mm-hmm. you're literally doubling your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that was my thought anyway. Wow. That's, right? I mean, some people would also like try to take some food home too. Oh, of which course. Which is a little bit sketchy, but Sure, yeah. 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 I, um, weirdly, I don't think I ever did that. Um, but, oh, uh, I for sure did. Like <laughs> if it was like a, a bag of chips or like a, like a sealed oh, item. Oh, maybe. Like, you know what? Maybe that. That's true. It, that might have happened. It was in my backpack because I'm making $54 for eight hours. Yeah, right. Exactly. Before um, taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you make a little bit more, but not a ton more. Not a ton more. Um, right, right. Well, right. ladies and gentlemen, uh, everybody, uh, thank you for listening. Mitch, thank you for being here. I have just one thing I say at the end of every episode, and that's, I'm sorry I missed your thing. I don't own a TV, so. You can find The Professional Blur on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find podcasts. And follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Klom and follow his hashtag, The Professional Blur. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!